Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's edition to the Point Podcast. Was doing well following the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Four interesting games that we're going to touch on all of them today. Um, touch on some NBA as well. Uh, get into some baseball, hopefully, and I also got a college football rant that I have to get out. That's just been bothering me all day. So I got to get to that at some point throughout the program. Seamus Fillmore should be joining me in about 40, 30 to 45 minutes. So we'll touch on his Leafs winning game one last night. I'm sure he's got a few thoughts. I'm sure he's very excited. Uh, over under on FanDuel of Seamus wearing a jersey, I would say it's it's a high chance that he's going to come with a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey today. So anybody uh, want to put those live odds, I uh, maybe uh, maybe they, our friends at FanDuel can do that. But if you were listening to the show yesterday, I told you about a little prop that if I thought the Leafs would win last night, I thought Matthews would score because I was paying plus 300 on FanDuel. And what happens? The Leafs win. Matthews scores two goals. Only needed one. He scores an extra one. So if you would have bet that last night, plus the Braves, Max Freed yesterday against the New York Metropolitans, would have been a good day for you because you would have made a little chunk of change last night. Would have been a good start to your Tuesday. But we'll get into the betting side of things as we go throughout the show. Um, kind of if I see any games, I like the different parlays. Again, betting on individual game is less intriguing for me. I like finding different ways around it. Like I said, I like to bet on golf tournaments, top fives, different things of that nature. Um guys to score a goal. Those are the kind of, that's the action that gets my attention. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens tonight, but I, uh, we'll, we'll get into that later throughout the show. Um, like I said, I won't be on the air tomorrow or Thursday. I hope to be on the air Friday. If I can't get on Friday, I'm going to be a, a secret Surprise, not secret, sorry. Surprise podcast on Sunday because now um, the old man wanted to come along for the trip to Boston, so he's going to come along with me. So I don't know if I'll be able to podcast that if the room to myself, I would be able to. We'll see what happens on that front. But um, if not, Sunday, I will be podcasting if I cannot get to the show on Friday because there'll just be so many games, so much to get into, and I want to touch on touch on all of it, but that'll be Sunday, depending on how things go later in the week. Um, let's start with hockey. Although I do want to start college football because there's a rant that I will get to, but we'll do that later. We'll do that at the end of the show. So Stanley cup playoffs began last night. Interesting. Of course, some great games. Some I know the, the main focus for everybody was Toronto, Tampa Bay. And oddly enough, the first three games of the Stanley Cup playoffs weren't that interesting. Uh, they were both all kind of blowout games, weren't that close. But there are storylines from all three, all three of them, and then the close game in Edmonton where we saw them choke away a potential game to go to overtime or see what happened there. But I. Watching last night and you watch every team that won, whether it be Boston, whether it be L.A., whether it be St. Louis, Toronto had the most impressive win of the night. And 
Some of it has to do with the opponent, for sure. They defeated the two-time reigning defending Stanley Cup champions in the Tampa Bay Lightning. But also, it wasn't just a win where you squeak one out in overtime on a goal that was a fluke. It was a, it was a game where the Toronto Maple Leafs dominated from start to finish. It was a game where the Toronto Maple Leafs set the tone of the game. They set the tenor, and it never really left. It was, it was Toronto's game. They had control, and they never left their foot off the accelerator. It was dominance. Like, I've never seen this Toronto team play in a playoff game. It was I, – I just – they were first on pucks. They had more intensity than Tampa Bay. They had more speed aggression and they scored on the power play last night. Although I don't think their power play was all that impressive. What was the most impressive thing for me was of course you kill off a five minute major. That's impressive in and of itself, but to get a shorthanded goal after the fact, the fact that Tampa didn't get a high quality scoring chance, the fact that you just Tampa couldn't get comfortable last night. You forced Nikita Kucherov to take a stupid penalty, which I said yesterday he's prone to do. You, Braden Point was terrible last night. I love Braden Point. He was god-awful. Victor Hedman sucked. Vasilevsky was no... Tampa and John Cooper after the game made an astute point. I think it's defending his team and also kind of pumping the brakes on, all the, on the Leaf love today. You know, he said, did Toronto have to play that good to win last night? I think that's a fair point. I, I think two things can be true. Because I think automatically if you take that, if you say that, well, then Leaf fans will come at me and say, well, no, Toronto played great last night. They did. There's two, two things can be true. Most times in life, that's not the case. Here it is. Toronto played fantastic last night, but Tampa also was garbage. Garbage. They did nothing well last night. I can't think of one individual player that played well. I honestly can't. If you're going to take one guy from the game, you're going to take one of the guys involved in the line brawl. But did they do anything to help the team win? No. And we'll get to that point in a second. But I look at Toronto and I say, they don't deserve congratulations. They've won one game. They need another three to win around. But they deserve credit for winning game one because they lost game one to Montreal last year. People forget about that. They lost game one to Columbus a few years ago. So this team is not known for getting off the hot starts. They're not known for just coming out of the gates red hot in the postseason. They're used to just kind of sliding their way through, having a good time doing it. They didn't take that approach last night. They had intensity from jump and they didn't let they didn't let them they did not let Tampa breathe. That was the main thing. It's extremely difficult for a team that starts sleepwalking through a game to get involved in it and win a game when a team doesn't allow you to. When the team that comes out with more intensity, with more aggression, with just a better game plan, when you don't stop that attack, it's hard for your opponent to catch up. In fighting, if somebody has a slow first round, all it takes is you to take one on the chin and you drop. The fight's over. 
Last night, the game was over in the first period because Toronto, yes, it was only a small lead at that point, but they never let it go. That second period, they were the best team. Tampa, there was no point in the game last night where Tampa was the better team ever. Tampa was on a five-minute power play, and Toronto was the better team. Not even close. Jack Campbell didn't let a goal in. Played a perfect game. You can't say anything against it. He did what he had to do last night. And I think I mentioned this point yesterday, and I think it proved to be true at least last night. He does not have to be a better goalie than Andre Vasilevsky because he isn't. But if he can be adequate, if he can make the saves he should make, which he did last night, he didn't have a difficult night. Did he make more than three difficult saves last night? I don't think so. I watched the game. If it was a difficult save in the third period, I'll quite honest, I didn't watch that much of the third period because Minnesota and St. Louis were starting and it was 5 nothing. So, and is it really a difficult save when you have a five-goal cushion? So, but my point is, when he had to make saves, he did. He's not better than Vasilevsky. He never will be. But he was adequate. He made the saves. Toronto's defense plays good in front of him, finally. I think Maple Leafs fans have been asking for an adequate defense for years. It never came. It's finally here. And this is the thing. When Matthews and Martin are playing that way, you can beat anybody. They brought what they had all, all season during the regular season. They were elite players. And the question will remain until they win a playoff series, until they demonstrate that they can, can you win those big games? They check one off. They got one win. That You need four to move on. They are closer than Tampa, and that's all you can look at this. Now, Toronto dominated. Great game plan. First on pucks. They were intense. They were fast. I thought the way the game was officiated was more like a regular season game, which benefits Toronto, in my opinion, despite some of the penalties last night. I thought the officiating was pretty terrible, uh, both sides. Uh, I, I just, I don't think half of the penalties are, are calls that you make in the playoffs. But if they want to start calling it like it is the regular season, which I, I think every sport, the whistle changes. I hear this complaint from people on Twitter that why isn't the game officiated like it is in the regular season? Watch basketball. It isn't. NBA and NBA regular season playoffs, it's not officiated the same. In the, in the NFL, it's not officiated the same. This is not just a hockey thing. This happens in every sport. Yet I think a lot of hockey people, apparently they don't watch other sports because the game, it's it's officiated differently. It just is. It's more physical when you get into the playoffs. You get more wiggle room. So that's just one thing that I noticed that jumped off the screen to me was that it just didn't make a whole lot. It just... The, there was a lot of whistles last night in every game where I'm like, that's a penalty. Oof. But great, like I said, great win. You couldn't have played a better game. That This has to continue. This isn't where you play one great game 
and you get to live on, on those morals for the rest of your life. One win is one win. You need four to win a playoff series. You got one out of four. Check. You are ahead of Tampa. But to think that Tampa's done, to think that you you scared the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think you're I think you're an idiot, quite frank. I think you're crazy to think that. I don't think Tampa shook one bit. Tampa is not like I think if the Florida Panthers lost to Washington tonight, which we'll talk about, I think they'd be worried because they're a team that has no playoff pedigree. I think that fan base would have a right to worry because that team has no history of winning. You get down in a series, what you have no track record of winning a series of, of having the, the, the fortitude, the wherewithal, the, the strength, the mental, you know, what, what have you to get back in a series. You haven't demonstrated that. So I think that is a fair scare. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been down in series. They've been pushed to the brink. They are not shook one bit. And for Toronto, game two has to be as close to game one as it can be. You're not going to play as good as you did in game one. They might still play great. They won't play as good as they did last night. This doesn't happen. Like I said, I don't believe in game-to-game momentum. If if game to game momentum truly exists, Toronto will win five nothing in game two. I don't think they will, but you maybe if I'm wrong, send me a text. Um, but you gotta expect a couple things. You gotta expect a bigger pushback from the Tampa Bay Lightning superstars because they were they were terrible last night. You gotta expect the goaltender, who is the best in the world, to be better. In his last two postseasons following a loss, Andre Vasilevsky is 14-0. He has a 9.66 save percentage and five shutouts. That, all those stats, you can define that as domination, Holmes. That's what that is. Just, it takes a, a special player to rebound from a loss and to be that damn good. So you're looking at that in the face. But for Toronto, try to go up 2-0 in the series. Win game two, control home ice. I mean, that's all you can do. Play as good of a game in game two as you can. Because as, as invisible as Tampa was last night, maybe they are tired. We don't know. We're not in that building every day. We're not, I'm not those individual players. I don't know how they're feeling. All I can base on is what I saw last night, and they were god-awful. So... Maybe they are maybe they are tired. Maybe they are winded. Use the momentum. Well, use I'm not gonna use the word momentum because I hate it, because I don't believe in it. Use the spunk, use the energy, there you go, that you have because you've been golfing a lot while these this team has been playing to fuel you. Use the criticism, use whatever you have to to win. It doesn't matter. You've been doubted forever. Prove people wrong. I mean, this is so true. I mean, if you if you slay the giant, who knows what can happen from there? Maybe you, you can get to a Stanley Cup final. 
Maybe that's all it needed for this team to get over that hump and get there. But we have a long way to go to that. Because one game is one game. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. You played a fantastic game one. There's a chance Kyle Clifford might not be available. So Jason Spezza might draw in. I thought that was a fair call, by the way. Um, I'm, I agree that was a five-minute major. It was a dirty hit. It was a gutless hit, quite frankly. It was high. It was from behind. He didn't turn on the play, so I had no problem with that call. Uh, the officiating other than that was pretty garbage, but that, that was a penalty. It's a stupid hit. It was dirty. He didn't have the puck. I don't think he should be suspended because he got thrown out of the game with about six minutes gone in the first period. So he basically missed an entire game. That's time served, if you ask me. Missing an entire playoff game is like missing five regular season games. That's the equi- That's my chart for me and how you'd want to shake, divvy that up. But I know he's got a phone hearing today with the Department of P- Player Safety and George Peros. And if I do get the news, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. But I don't think he should be suspended more. And if he's not, I'd play him again. Because Clifford, and I'm, I'm one of these people, I, I think Clifford is more valuable in the lineup than Jason Spezza is. I've watched Jason Spezza over the last month. The guy is done. I love Jason Spezza. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's had a fantastic career. Fantastic career. No shame in it. I think he's played over 1,300 games. The guy's a warrior, and he's given a lot to Tron over the last couple of years. No doubt about it. But just because you're a veteran, just because you've been in the league a long time, just because you're a good guy, Jason Spezza, doesn't mean you get to play. Joe Thornton is not going to play in Florida. Joe Thornton might be the most beloved hockey player that's ever laced them up. He doesn't play in Florida because he's not as good as the other options. Clifford is better right now than Spezza to me. He's faster. His, His skating just... Straight line. He's a faster player. And I, I just, if I'm going to have a fourth line, I want to have some physicality down there. And Clifford does bring that. Now you got to hope that he can reel that in. But Simmons and Spezza on the same line would scare the hell out of me. Because is Tampa's fourth line that is that great? No, with Perry and Maroon and, and Pierre, Pierre Edward uh, Belmar. But compared to Spezza and Simmons, they're fucking Usain Bolt. Those two players are not fast. I don't want both of them on the same line together. And if Clifford comes out, that's the way it's going to look. Because Bunting, it's unclear Bunting will be available for game two. Kerfoot played good last night with, with the top guys on, in the, on the top line. Um, but so he, he can fit in there. He's had a good couple of postseasons here for Toronto over the last couple of years. But that's how I'd, I'd attack it. i keep Clifford in the lineup and – Talk to him and hope to reel him in a little bit. You want him to stay physical, but don't throw a dirty hit that you know you're going to get tossed out of the game for. There's no argument for to not get tossed out of that game last night if you're Sheldon Keith. It's pretty simple. Dirty hit. It's not happening. Get out of here. So that that's how I see that. But um, I talked about the game and, and go through it all. And then we get to the... To quote Cosmo Kramer, the brouhaha at the end of the game. 
with Patrick Maroon and Simmons and all those players that got involved at the end. This was a whole lot of nothing for me. This was something I think Tampa did to try to salvage good feelings, to try to not have such a negative impact, maybe to set a tone for a game two that's more physical in nature. But do I think it accomplished anything? I, do, I don't. I don't think it did. I I think Tampa got out of some frustration for playing a, a crap of a game, just playing terrible. Maroon threw some punches. Poor Morgan Riley got his head beat in. Uh, the, Maroon really fed him his lunch there. But that it didn't accomplish anything for me. It didn't, it didn't set a tone for game two. It didn't change the series. It didn't give Tampa momentum going into game two. Momentum is again, it's a word I don't use. A couple words in my vocabulary are not in my vocabulary, a couple words I just hate. Excited and momentum. There you go. Put those on your wall for Noah. I I hate the word excited. I don't think I've I've maybe been excited three times in my life. I just hate the term. I don't know why, but I hate it. Momentum. I don't believe in it. You have work ethic and you have in certain days you have it. You don't. Sometimes you just wake up and you're not going to give your best effort and you know it. So did that momentum carry? No, because if you by osmosis saying momentum, you won the day before. That means you should win the next day because you have momentum. That How often does it, it happens every other night where a team finds a way to win? The Washington Nationals beat the San Francisco Giants over the weekend. Washington Nationals stink. San Francisco has one of the best records in Major League Baseball. So why didn't the momentum of the better team carry over? Because it's sports. It's life. Stuff happens. But, again, I I think Tampa did that for their own sense of pride. The fact that they were embarrassed. They wanted to muck it up a bit. They wanted to send a tone into this series. And I think they got a couple guys on that team that just love to do that. Corey Perry is a pain in the ass. He always will be. He's known as the worm. And I think people on Toronto hate him. Maybe it has something to do with the Tavares injury from last year, although that wasn't his fault. But maybe it has lingering effects on that. And Maroon and Simmons have a well-documented history where the two just don't like each other. So I think it, it gets out some frustration the Leafs fans get fired up because um, Jan Ruda leaves the ice all bloodied, so it gets the, the barn fired up in Toronto. But I don't think it serves much purpose going into game two. I just don't. I don't think it gives the Tampa Lightning any more momentum than they had before. They'll have as much momentum as as the, when they start the game. That's it. I, I, it's just that. I also got to give credit. To, to peep to some people, and I got to give credit to the Scotiabank Arena last night in Toronto. The Scotiabank Arena is normally one of the quietest buildings in pro sports, and I'm not exaggerating. It's I I call it the library because people that go to lease games are rich people that work on Young Street, that probably work in banks. Again, I'm probably oversimplifying here, but they're rich people that wear their suits to games and they don't cheer. They're not blue collar. 
last night, I think some people snuck in that had some fire on their ass that, you know, were fans that were buttoned up, that were wearing a jersey, that were willing to scream and yell, and that were true Leaf passionate fans. And it was loud. I I watched the game with my parents, and they listened to the game with the sound on, so I got to hear it last night. And I, it was a loud atmosphere, and I got to give credit where credit's due. I make fun of that fan base a lot because people are passionate on Twitter, but not that fas- passionate in the building. They were loud last night. They were loud and, you know, just kudos to them because they showed up. They were there at the start of the game. That's a big thing, just having that momentum to start. Cheering for Matthews, the MVP chance throughout the game. I I just thought it was a really good atmosphere. The team played fantastic. So credit all around to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But you're only as good as your last game, and tomorrow's a new day. So they need to prove it again. It's all for all these teams, for Toronto, for Carolina, for LA, for St. Louis. Yes, you won game one. That's a great start. You'd rather win game one than lose it, obviously. But that doesn't mean you're going to win the series. That doesn't mean that you that you can just you can breathe. You have to you have to keep the pressure on yourself to play great hockey. That's how I think that's how you stay motivated. That's how you stay present is you say to yourself, okay, yes, we're up one nothing, but if you can train your brain to believe that you're down 0-1, then you're better prepared for game two and beyond. Put yourself behind the eight ball mentally. Give, you know, say get, get, put something in your brain to make you think it. Do whatever you have to do, but don't get complacent. Because I think especially for a team like Toronto, who I think have gotten extremely complacent in the past, it's not the time to do it. They got complacent against Montreal. They lost the series. It can happen. You cannot get complacent against a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups because they are not worried today. They're prepared. They'll be ready to play tomorrow night. But if if you're playing with the same intensity, if you're first on pucks, if you have that aggression that you did last night, you have a good chance of winning the game because that that's, you're hard to beat when you're playing that well, that consistently, all of the above. So kudos to Toronto. Gave a great win. I know Seamus, when he comes on, he'll want to talk about the Leafs. So we'll do that a little bit as well as we move forward here. Edmonton, Los Angeles. I thought this was a great game last night. Um, watched. Stayed up, watched that. Um, not a lot of sleep today, but love it. Fired up. I've all I just I playoffs. I got all kinds of energy. I don't need that much sleep. I like watching the games. It's great. And I thought the Oilers, despite the loss last night, played fantastic. I thought the Oilers. This was one game where it doesn't have to mean a whole lot. The Oilers lost the game, but I thought their play, I thought their style, I thought Connor McDavid. I just thought I saw a lot of really good things from the Edmonton Oilers, where they had aggression as well. They were incredibly fast. They were first on pucks, and they did lose the game. There's no denying that. But I saw positive steps 
from a team that didn't show a lot last year in the postseason. They were playing with a different intensity last night. They had a different mindset. They just were cool, calm, and collected. Kyler Yamamoto played, I think, the best game I've ever seen him play as a pro. He had such an intensity last night. It was just evident coming off the screen that he was fired up for this game. You saw McDavid strip Quentin Byfield a puck at the end of the first period. He was flying last night. Dreisaitl, Ryan McLeod had a fantastic game. He was a youngster. Cassian looked more engaged. Though, and I thought their four group, McDavid was fantastic, like he normally is. But it wasn't just McDavid last night. I saw other guys. Yamamoto scored. Dreisaitl put one in the back of the net. So it wasn't just that they were giving contributions. But I thought shift in, shift out, the Edmonton Oilers put a ton of pressure on the Los Angeles Kings defense. Uh, defense. And L.A. last night dressed, it dressed four guys that were making their Stanley Cup playoff debut on the back end. You know, Mikey Anderson and Jordan Spence and Sean Dursey. And they, they have young, young defensemen that it can be a lot for these guys. I mean, jo watching Jordan Spence play for the Moncton Wildcats, I root for him. I, I like him. He looked nervous last night, and for good reason. And he got stuck on the ice a few times with McDavid, where it it's not a fair fight because McDavid is just at a different skill level than him, and especially with experience in the NHL, he knows what he's doing right now. But the, I thought despite the loss, and we'll get to the loss in a second, I thought the Edmonton Oilers played a game that they should be proud of. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan – I wouldn't worry about losing one game because I believe the Oilers are a better team than the Los Angeles Kings. I believe they have more firepower. They have more guys that can make a play in a big moment because I, I thought the Oilers played well last night. But here's the rub. The Los Angeles Kings are a gritty, gritty team, and they just find ways to, to win. Philip Dunneau was fantastic last night. He had over eight minutes of five and five hockey against Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl had one shot. One. He gets the game-winning goal, comes over to L.A. from Montreal in the offseason, and he was he had a great year. He's been a fantastic addition. He's been incredible. He's such a pain in the ass to play against. I think Philip Deneau has been incredible. He was great last night. And you look around, you know, Kopitar is not what he used to be. He's played a ton of games in the NHL. Dustin Brown is retiring after the postseason. Drew Doughty is not playing. Jonathan Quick is past his prime. But, like, Adrian Kempe gets a point last night. Trevor Moore, the waiver pickup, the former Toronto Maple Leaf, has three points coming off his career season. Um, they, they just have a group that they believe. They think they can play with anybody. Again, they have a young, young defense. But I thought last night Quick was extremely good. They, their defense, they weathered the storm. McDavid had some great chances off the rush. He did score on one of them. But ultimately, the biggest question for Edmonton is their back end because it's not very strong. And that, that will remain a problem. I still don't think it's a very strong defense. I love Darnell Nurse. But he plays with Cody CC. He's going to have his bad looks. He's going to have his bad games. You know they're going to come. And 
you, you look around and I, I also, Mike Smith, five minutes left, decides to play the puck, just throws a pizza up the middle to Deneau, and that's the ball game. It's a game-winning goal. It can't happen. Mike Smith, you have to – you're a veteran. You have to know better that the situation that you're in. You have to know that that's not the smartest play. You're 40 years old. You've been in all these situations. And I get he's great with the puck. But quite frankly, I'd rather have a goalie that never touched it than have a guy like Mike Smith because every time he feels he can make a play. And all it takes is once for it to burn you. And the other 10 great things that he did throughout the game are meaningless if you lose the game. And that's how I look at last night. Yes. Did, did he? Does he make some great plays occasionally when he has the puck on his stick? Yes. But there's also times where it's such an eyesore and you're like, okay, that was the game-winning goal and that's all we remember about Mike Smith's night. He didn't play terrible last night. But he didn't play great either. Uh, the second goal was a weak one. Trevor Moore throws a reverse pass. Alex Iafalo whacks it home. He could have made that save. He plays the puck. He makes he just makes decisions that you question. So that that those question marks are always going to be there for the Edmonton Oilers. And the LA Kings are not going to be a pushover because Todd McClellan is a coach that's gotten to a Stanley Cup final. He is a guy that has led teams to success. He's got a young LA team with some veterans mixed in, but Kopitar and Deneau can do their best, but can they match Drysaddle and McDavid every night? I wouldn't bank on it. McDavid last night looked like a man on a mission. And as I look through LA, I don't see a guy that you can trust every game to have an impact offensively. I don't expect Trevor Moore to have three points in game two. Kempe was one of their top guys, but he has a he has very limited playoff experience. So what what is he going to bring to the table? Jonathan Quick can he outperform Mike Smith for a playoff series? Probably, but I think Edmonton's got a better team in front of Smith than Quick does in front of himself. So it was a I thought it was a great game. I think the Edmonton Oilers fans. I don't love the way Edmonton plays all the time, but I did see aspects last night where guys who were sort of invisible in the in the regular season where you don't see their impact all the time because it's not a physical brand of hockey, they had more of a role last night. Zach Cassian, it was clear and evident what he was bringing. He was separating guys off pucks, and it led to more scoring opportunities for the Oilers. He did that effectively. And you got to appreciate that he can do that night in, night out. Um, Ryan McLeod's a youngster, but he he had great speed. He, he got some really high-quality scoring opportunities. So he, again, he brought it last night where I thought he had a strong game for the Oilers. So their bottom guys are bringing something to the table. Now, could their defense be their undoing? Of course. And their goalie could be their undoing as well. But I do think they're a smarter team than they used to be. It's not all predicated on McDavid to be the hero. Or it's not all predicated on let's try to score six goals tonight. We're going to win like that. Because it just doesn't happen in the playoffs. You're not winning 6-5 more often than not. You're going to be playing in a low in a, in a one-goal game and 
can you find a way to win those? They failed their first test last night. LA wins a one goal game, but they will have more opportunities like this. I expect this to be a close series. In every game, I expect to be close because these two teams know each other really well. They're stingy. And I do think you know, LA's in, uh, sorry, uh, Edmonton's in a, in a similar position as to Toronto was last year, where Toronto played Montreal and they lost. They should have won that series. They were the better team, but Montreal found a way to win through just heart, perseverance, and you know, a lot of grind, a lot of luck. LA is not as talented as, as the Edmonton Oilers. They don't have that superstar talent on that roster, but they do have a team that is equipped. They have Kopitar. They have Deneau, who was on Montreal last year. They don't have Carey Price. Obviously, Quick is not the Quick is all is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. And could he turn back the clock for a series? Sure. Why not? He, he could play some great hockey. Could he and if you look across the ice, could he outperform Mike Smith? I absolutely think so. So I like what I saw from Edmonton. I expect them to win this series. But you also have to give credit to LA where this young team is not afraid of the Oilers. They're playing against Connor McDavid. They know how good of a player he is. But despite how fast he was last night and his impact, I do think they did a decent job in limiting what he can do. Limiting his offensive creativity on a shift-in, shift-out basis and making, making it a frustrating night for Connor McDavid as a whole. So... I give credit to the LA Kings for being that team, being a pain in the ass to play against. And ultimately they, they got rewarded for it just by not giving up and being consistently there shift in shift out. St. Louis went into Minnesota. They beat them for nothing last night. One of two road St. Louis and uh, LA were the two road teams to win last night. And it was really a dominating performance from the St. Louis blues where Minnesota just didn't have it. They had power plays in the first uh, 40 minutes of the game. They were 0 for 4 in the power play. Couldn't get it packed past Billy Huso. But even throughout that, they had consistent opportunities. But Minnesota didn't shoot the puck enough. They didn't get uh, bodies in front of Huso. And ultimately, it was a pretty casual night for the St. Louis netminder. And... Despite Kirill Kaprizov, it was a night where I didn't see a whole lot from Minnesota. Ryan Hartman was trying to draw penalties, but I, Minnesota, Minnesota didn't have that guy to help Kaprizov engage offensively, create scoring opportunities, and it became a frustrating night where they would get power plays and nothing would come up. Now for St. Louis, they get some, uh, they get a power play goal. They had a decent night doing that. But it was also a strange night for them where guys like Robert Thomas, Tarasenko, Kairou, um, Justin Falk, guys they've relied on all year to be their offense, be the head of the snake, if you will, were not that fantastic last night. They weren't that evident in the game, and they didn't have a huge impact on why the St. Louis Blues won. But I look at last night, and there's just playoff performers. They might not have great regular seasons, but they show up big in the big moments. And I look at this line for St. Louis. It's a veteran line. And from now on on the podcast, they will be known as AARP. But it was David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, and Brandon Saad. 
three guys who are all Stanley Cup champions, three guys who are all just paid their dues in this league. Perron, who's bounced around, but also came back to St. Louis, played his best hockey, you know, traded in certain instances, but he, he's gutted his way throughout his career. And he's built, he's built on just passion and not so much on um, skill alone. Then there's Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly, high draft pick, really good player, but also a guy in Buffalo where he was traded away to St. Louis, cast off, not exactly looked at as a, as a superstar, gets to St. Louis, becomes the captain of the team, embodies St. Louis, and has built a great career uh, doing that, winning a consummate a couple years ago. And then there's Brandon Saad, who won his, didn't win his Stanley Cups in St. Louis, did it in Chicago, but he's now joined the fray of guys. He's a veteran ad for this team. And this line last night was dominant. Perron gets a hat trick in the first Stanley Cup playoff game of the season. He has 18 career playoff goals. And this is just kind of what he does. He has a knack for the net. He has a knack for being in the right place at the right time. And he loves playing in St. Louis. Whenever he leaves to get money or to get an opportunity, when he went to Vegas a few years ago in the expansion draft, it just was not the same. He didn't have the same type of impact. If he's playing in St. Louis, if he's playing for Craig Berube in particular, this guy seems to find a great opportunity, and he usually uh, cashes in on those. But for me last night, St. Louis just came out. They played a physical brand where Barbashev, Bozak, they might not have had their best nights, but they had an impact physically where Minnesota was frustrated, clearly. Marc-Andre Fleury didn't play his best game which I predicted yesterday. I didn't love that he was starting. And I get, for St. Louis, I'd be excited that you win a game where really only one line of your team played fantastic. AARP was great, but Thomas, Terrace, that line was pretty quiet. Cairo was pretty quiet. I mean, you go out th throughout the team, Nathan Walker on the fourth line and those guys, it wasn't a great night from the rest of their team. It was one line that found the offense that got some momentum and they produced. And you like that this line is getting hot, that they have some chemistry going into the playoffs, but you also got to look at and be like, okay, we won game one on the road and we didn't play that great of hockey. Our best players were just okay tonight. Robert Thomas, one of my favorites was really a no show last night. Didn't play great. Um, Colton Pareko got involved, took a few penalties, got involved physically, but he's your best defenseman. He didn't play that great. Full got a great assist on a pass, shot pass on the Ryan O'Reilly goal. So he made a play there. But it was more about just the AARP line, finding the back of the net, finding ways to produce. But again, I give I like St. Louis a lot. I said yesterday, St. Louis to me is a team that is going to make the Stanley Cup final. Um, I good uh, plus 2100 on FanDuel. Get that bet in quick with Stanley Cup playoff odds, uh, Stanley Cup final odds. But they, I, I just like the way they play. They play that physical brand. They got some veterans on this team that have been there, done that, that have won before. They still get that coach that won them a Stanley Cup a few years ago. This team just has the nucleus of a champion. And Again, it, it wasn't everybody last night, but AARP was enough for this team to, to get 
to get the W, get the win. And for Minnesota, it was just kind of a lifeless effort. Dean Evison on the bench all night looked really frustrated, and I understand why. Erickson Eck was there on the power play. He didn't bring a whole lot to the table. Spurgeon didn't play good. His biggest impact was cross-checking Pavel Buzhnevich in the back of the ankle. I'm surprised he didn't get a hearing for that. I thought it was a really dirty play. I thought he really could have injured Pavel Buchnevich. I'm all for physical play, but that was just a cheap shot where that could have ended his postseason before it even began, and he could be an important player if they want to go deep in the postseason. Um, so I didn't love that play by Buchnevich. But St. Louis, I think, is just a better team. They have more options than Minnesota. Like I said, it's one game. I expect Minnesota to come back. Their power play has not been good for some time. That is a concern. But can Hartman be better in a game? Can Erickson Eck? Can Zuccarello? Yes, of course. They got such a balanced team where anybody can score a big goal. Marcus Felino, who is a tough guy, but he could score a big goal for, for Minnesota. They just play by committee. Minnesota is a lot like the Carolina Hurricanes, where you don't have a – Defines you have Kaprizov and you have Aho and those two respective teams, two respective cities. But at the same time, you wouldn't bank on that player scoring the big goal because you're like, well, it might be Nito Niederreiter. It might be Oleksandek. It could be – you go through it. It could be Vincent Trocek. You don't know it'll be Zuccarello. Or you, you can go through the team. It'll be Matthew Boldy from Minnesota. That's just how these two teams are built. And – you see one team win last night and the other didn't. And I would say a big reason for that is Carolina had a crap start against Boston, as did Minnesota. But the goaltender kept the minute. The goaltender made some big saves for Carolina. Auntie Ranta, his first career playoff start, where Frederick Anderson was not able to go last night, but it didn't matter because despite the shots being 12-1 after the first, 10, uh, first eight and a half minutes, of the first period, the score, the game remained scoreless. Auntie Ranta made some big saves. And after the first, after half the game was over, it looked like it was all Boston, but yet the game was scoreless. And that's all that mattered is yes. Boston was the better team. Yes. Uh, Bergeron was an effective guy last night. I thought McAvoy played great and you brought, you got some great opportunities but Auntie Ranta made the saves. The defense for Carolina helped them out. Slavin had a few blocks early in the game. You weathered the storm and you, you escaped it. So in doing that, you gave yourself and Auntie Ranta gave the team a chance to wake up and still have an opportunity to win the game. Vasilevsky didn't do that for, for uh, Tampa Bay last night, although the, team, although the team never woke up. I don't think they ever would have. After that, you know, after the 30-minute mark of the game, Carolina really woke up and they said, you know, we need – we're still scoreless here. We played like crap the first 30 minutes. We can win this hockey game. And with Carolina, they're a physical brand. They knock you off pucks. They're very frustrating to play against. And they have so many guys that can just score a big goal in a moment. You look, Stahl could score, Trocek. Niederreiter, Svechnikov, you know, Aho, Taravainen. They just have so many guys that can find the back of that back of the net in a given game. Trocek, I think, is a motivated guy. If you don't remember, him and Marshan got into it earlier in the season, and 
Marshan basically compared him to, you know, a Honda Civic being, you know, a, a shitty car while Marshan is a, is a Lexus. Well, all I know is last night is Trocek scored in the game. Marshan did not. And Brad Marshan has one goal in his last 14 games. Boston doesn't, I, they don't have the depth. Taylor Hall scored a goal last night. Good for him, but it's one goal. You lose the game 5-1. Hall, uh, Hall, they need to be better. Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith. Pasternak didn't have a great impact on the game last night. But I look at Boston. They're slow. Their defense was slow last night other than McAvoy. I thought he played really good. But you need an impact every game from these guys. And I, I just didn't see that last night. I didn't see a team that had a whole lot of fight. They had fight early, they got down, and they didn't have that will to fight back, to get back in the game. That's concerning to me. I would, I'd be concerned if I, was the, if I was a Bruins fan because I didn't see a whole lot of it last night. See, we got our uh, our tan friend in the window here. We're going to bring him in. Uh, he's not wearing the jersey I thought he'd be wearing. Uh, I On FanDuel, I think I said he'd be wearing a Leafs jersey today, so I was wrong. Would have lost that bet. Uh, but I'd like to welcome back, nice and red, uh, just beaming through the screen. Uh, <laughs> day, good to see you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely got my son in, that's for sure. Um, yeah. It's nice that the mic is working right away this time too. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to have any problems with that. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, the the trip was good overall. I have no complaints, and uh, yeah, obviously paying for it a little bit with this burnt, burnt ass nose I got going on here in my forehead. But uh, yeah, that's that's the least of my worries right now. Yeah, um, do you want to disclose that you got the? The, the virus like me yeah uh, yeah might as well just put it out there yeah i got got covid down in florida obviously had to had to go to the one state that's probably home to it but <laughs> uh no i got it uh, i feel fine now i didn't feel great the first few days um but hey that's that's what it is and then you kind of battle through it my girlfriend's going through the worst of it right now so kind of taking care of her a little bit but let's get to slip away and talk to you a little bit about uh one team that's struggling and one team that looks pretty good. Yeah, no, it's not fun. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, you, how are you feeling? I'm good now. I still got kind of lingering cough that just comes and goes. But, um, no, it was certainly uh, certainly not fun the last week. But we, I, don't uh, have to go, we don't have to go into details, but was it uh, a, lot, a lot of trips to the room? Oddly, no. Okay, no. Well, that's good. No, I didn't get that tired. side effect. Uh, okay. just real intense fatigue, uh, okay. which is frustrating for me because I like to do stuff, but, um, yeah, it was just, but it couldn't, couldn't do anything. So that was kind of my, your body telling you to catch up on sleep, Dougie. That could be it because yeah. maybe, it, maybe it knew that it's going to get none over the next like couple months. So that was right. prepping me in advance. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the team. You said you had two teams that are one's in a great spot, one's in a bad spot. Let's yeah. start negative because I like negative. Okay. Um, Celtics, I, I said last week, if I was not – if I didn't have COVID, I would have came out and did a hot take, which I am so against. But I was going to do it, and I had it in my notes because I thought I'd be ready to go, but it wasn't. I would have said a week ago today that the mm -hmm. Celtics are going to win the NBA title. And because I, I was – 
riding that wave. I thought they were playing so well, and I loved it. And um, Giannis just bitch slapped them in game <laughs> one on Sunday. I mean, it's one game, but mm-hmm. how are you feeling about your Celtics playing the Milwaukee Bucks game two? Yeah, well, you, we even talked about it on Sunday Sunday afternoon. They played, mm-hmm. and you said game. You know, you thought Celtics in six, and I said I, I'm not sure. Like I'd like to think that, but obviously there's a good reason and you know he puts up his second career playoff triple double last night which played phenomenal or mm-hmm. last night sunday sunday afternoon and you just couldn't stop him and you know drew holiday's a bucket as well he played phenomenal he was everywhere he'd shoot the three he'd shoot mid-range he'd drive in and just bully ball people and it didn't help because boston was not healthy and it was clear that they were not healthy mm-hmm. smart is not he's banked up you know he's on the bike on the sidelines he's going back through him early it's it's so clear because of the way he played in the second half of the year that he's not 100 because if he did play like that and overall if the team could pull it together i thought they could have won that game do you thought did you think it would have been close milwaukee still win or do you think if they played up to their capabilities yeah i i just i looked at the game and i'm like how could you shoot 53 pointers? Yeah, um, I, and sense. it's Milwaukee's tough because they're so big right now. Like Middleton have missing him hurts, obviously, but they basically have three bigs on the floor because Giannis mm-hmm. is basically a big, uh, oh, for sure. And you got Portis who's 6'10, so he's pretty, and uh, Lopez is seven feet. Yeah, big so I think there's a fear from the Celtics to go into the paint which is understandable because you don't want to get rejected in your face. But all, I think what's key for them is to set up some pick and rolls to set up plays where they can get into the paint because like you said, if smart's not healthy, he's not a great shooter to begin with. So you don't really want him shooting that often. Mm-hmm. Jalen's an inconsistent three point shooter. Tatum can shoot 25 for all I care. He, he, I, he has free reign, shoot, shoot whatever you want. But like Derek white is not a three point shooter. That's not his strength. So I just don't think they have a great roster if that if that's the way Milwaukee's going to play it, which I assume they will. If you're not going to get in the paint, I don't know how you win because I don't think they have enough shooters to knock them down consistently. They, they won't, and they they have like <laughs> that's the to your point yesterday and today. He's got they've got to get into the paint. They've got to draw fouls, and they didn't shoot very well at the free throw line, mind you. That right. kind of cost them a little bit too, but they really do need to just kind of find ways even mid-range they didn't do a ton mm-hmm. of that either which i was kind of disappointed al horford spent a lot of time on the three-point line which if you're a big guy on that team i mean maybe it's maybe it's kind of pays that you have enough guys around the perimeter get down below and trying to make something happen even if it's a kick out or if it's a, a pass to someone who's cutting in you know you have to do something different than what you did last night right and Robert, what do you think of Robert Williams' play? I mean, is he banked up? Do you think he only played 22 minutes? So, yeah, he hasn't looked the same since I he got injured. I didn't see him play a game where I, I thought he was as good before he got injured. Um, it's just something off. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look like he's a little worried about that knee, which is understandable. He just had surgery on it. So, I'm sure mm. he's a bit worried about that. And I wouldn't be opposed to them going back to Tice. And, and Williams comes off the bench because he did that well against Brooklyn. Tight, yeah, and I don't love Tice, but I, I just think that's a better lineup right now with 
the way the team's set up with uh, Milwaukee because Tice can shoot the three and he actually shoots it at a pretty decent percentage. Yeah, one and that's what they need right now. If Robert Williams isn't going up to tip those balls back on second chances, well, they need someone who is because Milwaukee does that so well. They mm -hmm. just get so many second opportunities, kick it out. Someone's there to spray a three. God, I hate Grayson Allen, but he's he seems to be always the guy who get, who gets that second chance. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I think that too. I think Robert Williams is banged up, and I think they need him desperately if they want to win. So. I, I don't know what's going to happen and he, he's not going to get healthy over like overnight. So I thought this before, but I think it's becoming even more and more clear that Giannis is the best player in basketball. Yeah, I think so too. He won't win yeah. the MVP this year, but he is no. the best player, which is, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he dominated like that, that off the glass dunk that he did, you know, he shoot, he shot well, he shot the two ball. Well, he actually made free throws. Yeah, and he's got Andy a good stroke in the free throw line. He looks comfortable. But better than he did three or four years ago, because that yeah. was disgusting. That was yeah. me and you up there playing 21. Well, maybe me. I don't know about you. You yeah, can I make free throws. I'm not a great free throw shooter either. <laughs> either either way, that better than us. And uh yeah, no, I mean he's comfortable at the line now and he's just he's doing so many good things. Draws so much attention to himself because he's so hard to guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um I think it's gonna be tough for your Celtics, but they do. I think their coach. It's a must-win tonight. He yes, yes. For sure. I, if they lose tonight, they may get swept. If they mm. lose both in Boston, um, I did love a moment on the mic on Sunday. I don't know if you heard this, but Udoka was just—he called a timeout and he just looked. I think he looked at Smart or Jalen Brown. He said, "What the fuck was that?" And he just like he I like him because he doesn't care. He's he's a coach's coach, and he's he'll make them work, and he'll compete as that. He'll make them. He'll try his damnedest to win for sure. Because he's oh not, yeah, he's not a quick guy. I believe that too. I must have missed that, but yeah, he was because there were some bonehead plays going around. They were just yeah. kind of tossing it around at times, looking like they had no real set play, and they were just someone was going to grab it and throw it out, and that's probably what happened. I know I told you my favorite player is now Anthony Edwards. Mm. That hasn't changed. Despite the Minnesota loss, I D'Angelo, I blame D'Angelo Russell more than anybody cat for just <laughs> stupidity. But um right. Gary Payton Jr. the second. I'm quickly becoming a fan. The the kid, he he just compete he plays like his dad. Like he did, he doesn't he rushes in on foul foul shot misses to get a rebound or try to bank it off something like I love how hard he works and that he's he's earned those minutes. He's not playing because he's the son of an NBA legend. He's playing because he is just he's so valuable to Golden State. I, I love the way he plays. Yeah, he got a lot of opportunity this year playing when Clay was out. Mm -hmm. And I thought he did play really well and he made it he kind of earned a name for himself in the league as someone who just kind of being competitive, loose balls, or, you know, just playing that up from defense, just like his father would have. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was great to see. I think he had a great game. Uh, I, for some reason, I didn't even have it on ch like channels here. I tried to look for it all night, uh, Sunday night. Um, but yeah, what was your main takeaways from Memphis and, and that, and that shot too, especially, I mean, that was, yeah, I know uh, you talk, spoke about it yesterday, but. I love the series. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be the best series of the second round. 
because uh, both teams are so fun. Like they're just so fun to watch. But like Pool is just scary good. Like he's like Splash Bro 3.0. And you got Ja and um, Jaron Jackson Jr. at the best game of his career. He's just on fire. Absolutely. He's just firing. Okay. Brandon Clark. Vancouver's own has been balling out. Uh, I he got to play him like he just earns those minutes. But um, if I'm the NBA, if I'm the Western Conference, because Phoenix won last night and but it was close because Doncic just he's a hell of a player. He's got nobody to play with, but he's a hell of a player. Uh, Absolutely, Eva, the only guy that really wanted to show up and play with him, but. <laughs> I'd be concerned if I'm Phoenix because Golden State, that that old dragon, and I know you like shows with dragons in it. That's starting to starting to breathe. It's starting to wake up a little bit after a long stew. And I still think Golden State still has some of that championship DNA in it. And I would be a little worried from the rest of the NBA. Yeah, they're certainly putting people on notice. If they take out Memphis, I mean, it's that's. That's that's like okay, these guys are gonna win, or at least they're gonna try pretty damn hard. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I don't know, I, I don't like Draymond Green, I'm not a big Steph Curry guy either, but I'd be afraid of them, I'd be afraid of them no matter what because they're just clutch and they got they just have it in their DNA and their makeup. And you know, besides, they don't have a great center, we'll say we've said that multiple times in the last couple pods, but even if they had someone who just could grab boards and that's it. They don't have to do anything else. They don't even have to block shots. I still think they have a great chance. Yeah, like uh, Otto Porter Jr. has played well. He, like he's even played decent the last couple of games. Um, but, yeah, they just play small. And w- what's good for them is they play Memphis, who loves to play small too. Yeah, uh, they don't have which, which if I'm Memphis, I might try against that and see if he can make them pay a little bit. Because especially when Draymond's – he was – it's hard to not win a game when Draymond doesn't play for a whole half. That that would concern me if I'm Memphis. Like he didn't play for an entire second half and you didn't win the game. Like that that hurts. That hurts a little bit. Yeah, the ego is definitely not not looking good. Okay, well let's get to positive. Start negative then positive because I'm okay. you're a positive guy, positive vibes. Fantastic. Um your Toronto Maple Leafs played as good a game as you can ask any team to play last night. Gets a 5 nothing victory on home ice. Um, just dominates Tampa. Um, as a Leaf fan, how, how are you feeling today? How, how, is, uh, how does it feel to get game one under the belt? Feels fantastic. I can't lie. <laughs> feels, feels good. Uh, but, yeah, it's just one game. Just got to keep that thinking that in your head. It's one game. That's it. Because I, I saw this crazy stat. I think it was like five minutes before I hopped on here. Andre Vasilevsky has for one. I got him here if you want. Oh, you, oh yeah. Okay. You you can you can spoo it off if you want. So yeah, following a loss the last two years, Andre Vasilevsky is a nine sixty six save percentage, fourteen and zero, and five shutouts. Yeah. So it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I'm, I'm, but and here's the thing. Like I don't know. I think we can win one in Tampa, but I would really, really love to grab both at home. Mm-hmm. We talked about the curse. We talked about, you know, slaying the dragon. This this, this is it. I think tomorrow night they really have to show up. And it can't be, oh, we, you know, we just swept the floor with these guys. It's got to be, okay, this is going to be a tighter game. 
and we got to give up. We can't give up chances, and we can't, you know, make those stupid passes and stupid penalties because they took a lot of stupid penalties last night. I just had me shaking my head. Like there was, it was a good game, but it wasn't perfect. Right. Yeah. Um, who who impressed you the most last night from Toronto? Any particular players you thought were great? Matthews. That second goal, like that three years ago, he doesn't make that play to go out and try and grab that puck and throw it, throw it in the net. He he just mm-hmm. wouldn't. That was that, that was like that was the I guess the maturing of a of a young star saying, okay, I I'm gonna go out there and uh, try to keen on an opportunity. And if you know what, if it didn't come around to him, great. But he he got there in time, and you know, it, and it didn't need to happen. And it wasn't like it was a close game or anything. But I I kept thinking to myself, wow, if that was if that was a one goal game or something, that would have been really, really big for us at the time. Right. Yeah, no, he played great. Marner played extremely well. He answered some some questions last night yeah. in game one. Um just their defense as a whole played really well. Uh they didn't give up a whole lot of high quality yeah. chances. I mean, Tampa didn't play well. Nobody did on that team. But mm. I thought the least defense played solid and they didn't give Tampa any breathing room. Yeah, I mean they certainly had chances, uh, but they did. It's not like they had totally high quality chances, and there was a couple open shots for Stamkos and his usual mm-hmm. office, but uh, and, and he just happened to miss them. But I, I I don't know what happened to them. If they came in too loose, they were winning every. It seemed like feel like they were winning everything at the end of the year, and maybe they were just going with that confidence. But you know, I'm they're going to quickly shake that off, and it's going to be back to business because that's just kind of how they operate now. So. If it's a split going back to Tampa, yeah. What's your confidence level winning the series? One zero to hundred. Oh, I'd I'd still say it's a good 70, 80 for sure, even if it's a split, because eventually you're gonna have to break that, you know, and you know what I mean? Like you could even if you know they win this one, say you want to go win, 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 win all the way to game seven, which could end up happening. Um I think it's still easier just to try and break this Vasilevsky curse of not, never getting beat back to back. I mean, you have to try it. You have to do your best to get through it because I don't want to. I don't want to sit here in Game Seven. I predicted Game Seven yesterday in our chat when mm-hmm. you're doing your pod, but I don't want that to happen um, uh, in in real life. That was, that was just my prediction, but right. Come, come from well, behind. Obviously, as a fan, you're hoping for a sweep. Always, yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah, always, always a sweep. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in a good, you won the first game. You played. I mean, what you got to hope is that you have enough intensity to kind of weather it. Because point was terrible last night. Headman was god awful. I don't know if he had like a bottle of gin before the game, but he was out to lunch. Uh, Kucherov took. I mean, you mentioned officiating was interesting last night because some calls were evident and then some I felt like they're officiating a regular season game. And I'm curious to see if they do that the entire series, because some of the calls on both teams, I thought, okay, that's a regular season penalty, but they were calling it in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that's the new norm or do you think that was just for the game? It certainly could be because they've talked about that before. And I've heard people kind of complain about that. Um, But I feel every. I feel like the uh, people commentators talk about this about hockey. It changes in every sport. Like basketball is not officiated the same way in the postseason. The NFL it's not officiated the same way. So, 
I don't think this is a hockey issue where, okay, it's so barbaric. Now we have to call everything when you see a check because that seems what happens in the regular season. So I'm not for that because I think the playoff game is more entertaining by nature. So I, I hope that's not the case, but it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like seeing that many power plays, especially as a fan and knowing how good their right. power play has been. But no, yeah. Even then, like keep the game going. Yeah. You know, you miss a couple calls, but like you said, this is playoff hockey. It gets rough. There's going to be cross checks, you know, throughout. And I felt like they just kind of called everything last night. Did you think that uh, Kyle Clifford's hit was kind of a tone setter for the series, or do you think that was like well? No, I, I know you don't think it's a dirty play, but oh, I thought it was a dirty play. Yeah, I guess yeah. it was, but it was it was <laughs> extremely dirty. It was. But, uh, I can only define it as dirty. It was a check yeah. from behind. Yeah. Um, I still love it. Though. He should have been kicked out. I don't think he should be suspended if he does. I wouldn't agree with that, but I do think it was a dirty play. Um, I. I think it definitely was a momentum builder uh, because they killed it off and Tampa didn't even get a good opportunity on that power. Mm. They, they couldn't complete a pass. I mean, Toronto was all over them. Uh, they did, they, that was the biggest thing. Toronto just was relentless. They wouldn't let Tampa get control of the game, have any sort of control over the game. So I give them full marks for that because they didn't, they didn't let Tampa get mo- momentum, get, have a presence in the game last night. They were, they were just spectators in, in the game of hockey where they were, they were just present like the rest of us watching while the Leafs were, were actually playing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Clifford will be suspended. If he is not, I'd put him back in the lineup because I like him in the lineup more than Spezza. I think Spezza's cooked. I don't think he, his speed has really declined over the last couple months of the season like he's not the same guy he was at the beginning I think his career is over this year and I, I'd rather have Clifford he's a faster you know kind of frontline player right now than, than Jason Spezza well he's certainly a playoff player too in this atmosphere mm-hmm. where you know it's violent like it's checking and if you're Keith, I don't think you say hey you know go upstairs and get the Putin I think you're you're putting him back out there because that's what you wanted to see. I think that's what Keith wants to see. He wants to see some fight in his team. And, you know, Simmons will give you the odd, you know, I wouldn't say dirty play, but he'll give you the odd check once in a while. But Clifford's really the enforcer of the team for sure. Yeah. Um, who do you think's face hurts the most today? Morgan Riley or Jan Ruda? <laughs> oh, uh, that's a good question. I'd say probably Jan Ruda. He, he looked like he ate it pretty bad. Yeah. He's, he's Riley kind of got ate it pretty good there from Maroon too, though. He was getting pumped for a minute. There. Yeah, I guess so. Maroon, <laughs> yeah. The, the old jersey, yeah, he jerseyed him and then he pumped him. Like, I don't know. I guess I'd rather take a punt from Maroon or from Riley than Maroon, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than the Leaf game last night, what was the most interesting result for you? I'd say probably the Edmonton LA game. Mm-hmm. I really thought I really thought uh, Edmonton would come out with a bang. Clearly, there's some well, some goaltending problems, but that was that's been known for quite a while. But there's also some defensive problems. Like Darnell Nurse is banged up, and it's pretty evident, in my opinion. Yeah, he's not skating well. Um, slow, and, really slow. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because he gets hurt the worst possible time. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
I, I hope he can come back and kind of play his way back into shape because it's it was tough last night because CC had to play above his level and that was clear and he is not normally capable of doing that um, as you know quite well. Yeah. Uh, but I I did think Edmonton played pretty they played good like I watched that whole game uh, and like Yamamoto played great and McDavid was flying and. You got to give credit to, to Trevor Moore and L.A. For, for battling. But, I mean, I think Edmonton wins that game if if Mike Smith just stays his ass in his net. Like, it, I would rather have a goalie that never touched the puck than have a goalie try to do that even once or twice a game because you know it's going to cost you eventually. And you forget about the 10 good plays, and you remember the one that cost you the game. And that's what happened to Mike Smith last night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just does it too often. I mean, Rowan, my brother, complains about it all the time, and it's it's true. Like, Felicity Flurry did it last year in the playoffs. Like, tight. If if you want to do it in the regular season, great. Do it in the regular season. Tighten up and don't do it in the playoffs because there's no point. That's when it matters. You don't, and it's just not needed. And it's the game's so fast. Like, you don't have the time. Like, goalies take. They gotta wind up, and it take like it. And he's. 40 begin he's slow like you're mm-hmm. slow Mike Smith like don't I, I that would just frustrate me to no end if I lost the game that way but your teammates too your teammates yeah. must be sitting there like what the, like what the hell like we could have come out here one now we mm-hmm. have to now we know we have to win what at least one or two away to win this. yeah yeah you lost you lost home ice you've already lost home ice you're already oh. behind the eight ball yeah they're uh Edmonton and uh, Minnesota both lose uh, at home last night, and uh, Carolina and Tampa controlled. Uh, so tr- uh, Toronto and Carolina controlled uh, home ice. Hmm. But yeah, that, that's a frustrating one for me if I'm at Edmonton because I felt they were the better team um, last night. Um, tonight, Aaron Ekblad's back after 20 games for Florida. That's a big ad. I think that's a massive ad for them. If they're going to legitimately go for a Stanley Cup. He needs to be back. He needs to be healthy. Huberto is back in. Some big goalie news. No Tristan Jari tonight for, for Pittsburgh. Casey DeSmith will get the start. No UC Saros in Nashville. So he he's out for the first two games at least. Um, do, you, do you give Pittsburgh a chance without Jari to beat the Rangers? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, no, no, I, I don't think so. I think Igor for the first game. Igor shuts the door. I'm calling it right here. Shout out first game. And shout, out think, tonight, shout out tonight, Shout out tonight for Igor. And I think New York puts up a three piece, three maybe four goals. Okay, so shout out tonight, Igor. Four nothing, New York. What, what do you think? Do they have a, Do they have any chance? I find it hard to believe. Because I I just he's not they don't have a great defense and New York's potent offensively and if Jari's gonna miss a bunch of games I don't like I don't love their chances that's for sure um, but I mean Pittsburgh's ah they're Pittsburgh's actually a betting favorite tonight. Put some cash on New York, friends. You've heard it here first, to the point. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's some interesting, interesting lines. Um, 
Let's go over a few of you tonight. How about anytime goal scorer, Chris Kreider, plus 138. I like that. Uh, you got Chris. Love that. You got Pittsburgh getting shut out, so they're not scoring a goal. So might be an ask about them. Uh, Zabinajad plus two hundred five for a goal. Yeah. Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay, I could, I could see that. Yeah, I, I just there's some. I um, I didn't put this bet in, but I, I I'm gonna start doing bets every day now. And you did you well? You called one last night. I should have. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah, make it to the. I couldn't make it to the store because I had the the vid. But I just gotta download I, the FanDuel app. I do. I do. Apparently, yeah. Set up an account. Don't gotta get to the store. Right before puck drop, in game betting, they do it all. FanDuel. Um, but yeah. Um, more dangerous series. Uh, Dallas with Calgary or Rangers with New York? You mean right to Rangers to upset New York or no Rangers to upset upset New York. I don't think Pittsburgh can do it. And you know how I feel about Calgary. I think Calgary has been riding a high, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I, I taste something, something in there that I don't like. I think it tastes, tastes like an upset. I, I think – I don't know. Dal- Dallas on paper doesn't have a great team. They only have like one or two lines. But mm-hmm. I can I could see it. I could see Dallas upsetting Calgary for sure. I just think if anything was going to happen, I just think that the offense, uh, offense for Calgary, for whatever reason, just dries up behind. So I think that first line maybe does it, but I think everybody else dries up after that. And then Some interesting out. betting lines on on the NBA. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks are plus four eighty to win the NBA championship. Those are though f- they have the fourth best odds, but that's not, that's not a bad bet to get on right now. Not at all. Yeah, I'll throw a hundred on that. Yeah, four eighty Milwaukee. They're tied with the Heat. Third best third best odds. You got Phoenix and Golden State above them, which I find Phoenix. surprising. So Golden State's the top, or Phoenix? Second. Phoenix oh, plus two fifty. Okay. Phoenix plus two fifty. Golden State plus two seventy, and then you got Heat and Bucks plus four eighty. That's what they show about the Celtics, eh? Jesus. Celtics are fifth plus five fifty. Yeah, I got. I got throw, throwing some cash on that right now. <laughs> Need a big turnaround here soon. I'm telling you. I'm telling everyone right now. The Celtics come back game two tonight. They win tonight. Yeah, that's why I'm wearing the jersey, man, because I know it. Okay, so they they win they win tonight, and uh, see the over under. I think it's two fifteen points tonight. I'd say mm, it went under. I'd say it goes over. I think the offense starts flowing a little bit more. I think it was just tight last night. All right. What do you what would you do? Are you under? I think I'm under. Okay, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I think I'm under. And you got – it's a five-point spread tonight, minus five Celtics. Okay. And breaking news here as we're talking, Kyle Clifford has been, has been suspended one game by the NHL Department of Player Safety, meaning he will miss game two of, of the uh, first-round series between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's ridiculous. That is – 
that's bonkers to be honest. Like, I don't know. There's just so many worse things that could have happened. Like, it are they are they going to saucy every guy who hits hits somebody on the numbers now? That's what that's what's what they're going to do. I mean, that's the precedent, yeah. That he's, I mean, um, Spurgeon. I'm surprised didn't get suspended. He, he's only if you saw that cross check last night. Yeah, his leg. Yeah, that was that strange. was a dangerous play. Like he could have broken his like, did some damage there. And uh, I don't know if he'll even get fined. But so yeah, no Kyle Clifford tonight or tomorrow night for the Leafs. I mean, the best case scenario for your Leafs is that um, is that my, Michael Bunting is back healthy, and then you really don't have to insert Spezza. Yeah, yeah, in a perfect world. Um, I don't know his health status. Obviously, it's pretty tight-lipped. But if if he could get inserted, that'd be that'd be huge for for a lineup for sure. It was nice that Kerfoot was there. He did some similar things, kind of played that ratty role that Bunting does. But yeah, Bunting just does it better than anybody. So I know you'll be watching the Celtics tonight. But if you if you're flipping between stations and you and you're watching a hockey game, you can only watch one tonight. Which one are you watching? Between the Colorado and Florida games. So today I'll I'll read them off to you, tonight's okay. games, and you can tell me which one. If you had to only watch one tonight, which one? Okay. Be? So we got New York, Pittsburgh tonight. We got Washington in Florida, Nashville, Colorado, or Dallas, Calgary. What was the middle one again? Washington, Florida. I wouldn't. I want to see Florida pump Washington. Uh, no offense. Nashville, no offense, Walker. Uh, what's that? Nashville, Colorado. Yeah. Well, now that Soros. Uh, no, I'd probably still watch that. I, I. I really enjoy both. I really enjoy both their teams, and it's not like I get to see them very often. But I'm guessing it's out late. Ten thirty. Yeah. The old ten thirty start. Uh, I may maybe watch an hour of it. I stayed up late last night to watch. Some of the St. Louis and uh, Minnesota game, which, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm good mad. for a shout out to UC though. That's a that was a hell of a performance. He played his ass off. Yeah, 37, 37 game shutout. That's impressive. Yeah, and a big night from the ARP line, as mm. I've uh, as I've named them here. ARP. The yeah, yep. ARP. Perron, O'Reilly, Sod, the old man line. ARP. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. Just, they're up there. Farah just he, he comes out in the playoffs. Hat trick last night. Like you know, he's gonna find his game in the playoffs. He always seems to do it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what did you think of uh, John Rom winning on uh, home soil? Yeah, um, he looks some relieved. I'll tell you that because he's been stressed wanting out. to win all year. He was stressed out. Didn't play great. Nobody really played that great down the stretch of that tournament, but. It only takes one win to get off the schneid. He gets a win, and it's just a few weeks away before the PGA Championship. So mm. I think it's a sigh of relief from him. He gets a win under his belt. He's got some good feelings. He, I don't believe in momentum, but he's got good feelings, good emotions, positive vibes. Uh, I, I do believe in momentum, and I think I think he'll roll. And I think he gets another win the next next couple weeks before PGA. So he, he gets another win before the PGA. Not at Wells Fargo. I have a different guy for Wells Fargo, but. In the Wells Fargo. What's that? Who's winning the Wells Fargo? The guy who had a great, another great tournament uh, last weekend, Tony Finau. Ooh, Tony. Yeah, I yeah. think Tony's going to get one. He needs a win. 
He's only got one in his career. So I know sure. he needs one. <laughs> it's great. It's great that you're on tour, but you got to start staying relevant here, Tony. Okay. So does that mean is Rom your your favorite to win the PGA? Oh, so there's only Wells Fargo and then PGA. No, it's a couple of weeks, but I'm saying like right now you could throw some Skrilla on John Rom FanDuel to win the PGA. You get better odds right now. Is that the tournament he won last year? Or did he win the U.S. Open? The U.S. Open. Hmm. No, I I I wouldn't throw any Skrillas on it right now. I'd probably wait, wait wait a little bit. I, I don't like doing this this early. All right, not a futures guy. We learned that today. Not a futures yeah. guy. He's in, he's in the moment. Type better. Um, yeah. No, it's good to know. That's good. That's good to know. Um, no, well, I hope uh, hope you start to feel better Thanks. and. Uh, Kate, uh, take care of, of your missus there. That's the most important thing to get her back healthy, but glad to hear you had a good trip and um, we'll be, we'll talk to you again next week. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate All you having right, me on. Thanks for your leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. Is right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Shaq. See you, buddy. There's Seamus Fillmore. Great to chat with him. Uh, thanks to Shay. I know he's been under the weather battling as uh, COVID and whatnot. So thank you to Shay for, for battling it out and joining me here today. Like you said, we, we just bounced around, talked about a bunch of different games. We got four games in the NHL tonight. We got um, Rangers and Penguins and you got Washington, Florida. You got, uh, you got Nashville, Colorado, or David Riddick, I guess is going to get the start for Nashville because of the injury to Saros. And then you got, uh, an interesting game between Dallas and Calgary. NBA tonight, you got Celtics Bucks game two, which I know Shea will be watching. And you got uh, Memphis Golden State game two. Um, Blue Jays lose last night to the Yankees. Yankees have won 10 in a row. Blue Jays can't hit right now. That's that's their problem. They're they're hitting the home run and they're not scoring. Glaber Torres gets all three RBIs for the Yankees last night. Solid pitching performance from Ross Stripling. He hasn't been the problem this season. He's been filling in from Hyunjin Ryu, and he's been just as good as Ryu. But the bats are cold. They're not getting uh, – Bichette, Guerrero haven't been getting the hits. Springer has been kind of a, a, a lightning bolt for this team, but he, they haven't had enough consistency out there. They haven't had – like the Mets, you see the, the team like uh, like the Mets, like the, like the Cardinals have been playing really good baseball – they're getting hits from all over the all over the park. Uh, guys like Owen Arenado, who is my pick to win the National League MVP, he's been on fire. But before we wrap today, because like I said, I won't be back likely until Sunday, but maybe Friday we'll see. Uh, I'm just in travel and then going to be at some sporting events over the next couple of days. College football is the second most popular sport in North America. It is more popular than the NBA. It is more popular than Major League Baseball. It is more popular than the National Hockey League. On average, Saturday afternoon, 3.30, 4 o'clock here in Atlanta, Canada, there are over, on an average Saturday afternoon, over 40 some odd million people will watch college football. Normally it's an Alabama game, but it's a 3.30 primetime game Saturday afternoons. They average 42.5 million people per view. So with that, 
those stadiums are sold out. 75 to 80,000 people a stadium. Those don't count people that are just standing. College football is a massive business. It is a massive entity and it rakes in lots of money. And through all this, schools have benefited. Uh, administrative directors, teachers, different programs, coaches. And in college football, We've seen now more than ever, coaches are leaving. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go LSU to go to LSU to get over $10 million a season. Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to USC. Sure, might have been the good weather, might have been the promise of a private jet, might also have been the promise of getting close to, I believe, $12 million a year in salary. So coaches who are under contract and yet they negotiate with other schools have been basically in a transfer portal, if you will, where they can leave a contract where they are under contract making a salary, go to another school where they get increased salary despite being under contract. And we're fine with that because why not? It's good content, including me. But what does anger me, what does piss me off, is the fact that that players who are entering the transfer portal, leaving schools because they are offered more money from name, image, and likeness deals and are getting criticized for doing it, that is what is what anger is what is angering me. Jalen Addison won the Fred Blitnikoff Award last year for best receiver in college football, played at the University of Pitt. Played with Kenny Pickett, who just went in the first round of the NFL draft. They had a connection. They had a fantastic season together. Jalen Addison is probably looking at it saying, I gotta, I have to play another year because you have to play three years of college football eligibility to get to the NFL. It's just a, it's just a rule. He doesn't want to sit out, but he's going to cast to play another year. He could redshirt, but he's not going to. He wants to play another year, but Kenny Pickett just left Pitt. Right now, he would be an easy a top 10 pick. But if he stays at Pitt, where they don't have a great quarterback class, and they have lost a lot of talent from the team they had last year, where they were in the top 15 in the country, maybe his production will go down. Maybe his numbers, his, his visibility will go down, and he won't be a top 10 pick, which will, in turn, cost him money. So what is he looking to do? Transfer. Because you can, and he might want to go play, hmm, let's see, at USC or he could play with Caleb Williams, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Makes sense to me, right? I'd rather play with a better quarterback, go to a new system, 77 degrees in USC in December. Sound good? I'd probably sign up for it, but maybe I'm just some schlub. Who doesn't want to stay in pit where you freeze your ass off? But that's not the biggest thing. So they're criticizing the transfer portal, call triple punts, different people, because – well, players are just leaving all the time. This whole season, everybody's leaving, everybody's leaving. Well, Jalen Addison wants to leave for a football reason. That makes sense. I just illustrated that. Made sense, right? If I'm off my rocker, let me know. But he's also leaving because he got offered $2.5 million to go to USC in name, image, and likeness money. Jalen Addison might be a top 10 pick, might have a great NFL career, but he could also blow his leg up this year and never play football again. That could happen. 
he would still make the, that name, image, and likeness money and have $2.5 million in the bank. So barring, say there's a, an injury, he would still have that money. He'd be secure. Isn't that the better story? Isn't the story that should be written, should be told more, is that these college athletes who used to make zero are now making a salary, are now making money, that they now can get some money when they're before they're done school going pro. I don't know why that's not a positive story. I don't know why we have to to focus on well, oh it's not the, the transfer portal is doing terrible things to college football. Baloney. It's not. This is how it should work. These they have the second most popular sport in North America. Why wouldn't they get paid to play it? I don't care if it's collegiate athletics. College football is a money machine. The NFL would die. Sorry, the NHL would die for college football's system and how they how players make their money. And also, they would die for their viewership. College football is a massive entity. It has so many viewers. It's massively popular. Players should make as much as they possibly can. This shouldn't be a big debate topic. It's a good thing. <coughs> if they want to leave their situation because there's more money elsewhere, so be it. You know how you want to change this college football? You'll never do it, but you'll continue to complain. Coaches will, other people will. Pay them. Schools, pay those players a salary. You won't do it. Because, of course, it's against it. You're paying your college athletes. Well, then don't bitch about the current situation that you have unless you want to change it. If you're in a position in life and you're complaining about it, do something about it. Otherwise, I don't want to hear your complaints. That's it for today. But I'll be back. Hopefully, I'll be back later in the week at some point, possibly Friday. Uh, definitely, I'll be doing a, a, a podcast on Sunday to kind of recap the week tell you about my trip to Boston, things of that nature. But thank you guys for tuning in this week. Next week, we'll be back to a normal schedule. I promise. I realize it's been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll be back and we'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be in touch with all of you throughout my trip to Beantown. But until then, thanks for viewing. Thanks for liking, sharing all that you do for the podcast. This has been to the point.